Welcome to On Conscious. This is Episode 5, How to Sleep. Welcome to On Conscious. I'm your host, Liz Cook, functional nutritionist, entrepreneur, and founder of One Seed Organic Perfumes. April is Anxiety Awareness Month, so we've been covering topics such as stress and burnout, sleep and mental health. In today's episode, I'll be talking about how to sleep, breaking down all of the issues around insomnia, giving you tips and tricks, and helping you delve deeper into your own sleep habits and how to sleep better starting today. So let's jump in. Sleep seems to be, for many of us, not something we focus much on improving. When it comes to improving well-being, we're often thinking about weight, we're thinking about mental health, we're thinking about diet, we might even be focused on minimizing chemicals in our homes and in lifestyles and so on, which are all really good things. But quality sleep should be the number one priority on your well-being checklist. And certainly if you're trying to make some improvements in your health, sleep is something that you really need to tackle. And with sleep, both quality and quantity are important. So let's talk firstly about what happens to your body when you sleep. Waste products are removed from your brain, dead and damaged cells are destroyed and removed, memory and learning are consolidated, neural connections increase, helping you solve problems better in the morning, blood vessels and tissues are repaired and restored, white blood cells are created, helping your body fight off disease, inflammation is reduced and damaging free radicals are removed from your body. The amount of time you sleep is important and does have an impact on your health. The recommendation is generally seven to eight hours per night. The time that you go to bed and fall asleep is actually really critical in the health and regeneration of your body. So your body has really two phases overnight while you sleep. The first one starts around 10 p.m. and finishes at 2 a.m., so that's a four-hour period. This is where your body gets the most regenerative sleep, where healing, repair, and growth occurs, and that's why sleep before midnight is critical. So it's important that you take advantage of the natural neurochemistry of your body by getting to bed before 10 p.m. From 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. approximately, this is where your body repairs and recycles neurotransmitters and neurochemicals. If you find yourself waking around 2 a.m. every day, there are actually reasons for this. Commonly, it's something relating to your liver. Perhaps your liver is having trouble breaking down alcohol or caffeine or some of the foods you've been eating, especially fatty or processed foods or chemicals you're exposed to. It could be that your hormones are not functioning well or the energy stores or glycogen in your liver is dropping too low and your body's response is to wake you with the aim of getting you to eat something. These are things that you can tackle with your integrated GP or your naturopath or nutritionist, but we'll talk about that further in a minute. So how should you feel in the morning? Well, you may say that you're not a morning person, but actually if you're getting good restorative sleep, you should wake feeling refreshed, energized, calm and rested. If you're not waking feeling that way, then something is going wrong in your sleep hygiene or sleep habits or something's not working quite right in your body. We'll talk about some of those habits in a moment, but let's talk first about what happens when your sleep is poor or compromised. 
Well, your immune system is impaired. Your mental health is impacted. You may find symptoms such as anxiety, depression, low motivation, mood changes, brain fog, slowed reflexes, or trouble with memory and learning. You may have blood sugar dysregulation, which can lead to fatigue or tiredness and increased risk of type 2 diabetes and weight gain. Weight gain may also come about because two of the hormones responsible for appetite, leptin and ghrelin, can be compromised. Inadequate sleep can also lead to high blood pressure, decreased libido, poor balance and increased risk of accidents, generalized inflammation in your body, leaving you more prone to disease and illness, pain and mental health issues, and an increased risk for Alzheimer's disease as well. Now, I think at this point, it's important to have a little biochemistry lesson. I'd love to talk to you about serotonin. Serotonin is a neurotransmitter, which is simply a chemical messenger that sends signals between nerve cells or from nerve to muscle cells. And it's produced mostly in the gut, around 90%, but also produced in the brain and also in platelets. Serotonin has a positive effect on our health, on our sense of well-being, and it affects our sleep-wake cycles, our mental health, our concentration, mood, memory, appetite, sexual desire, and more. Serotonin production increases with daylight, and the right amount of daylight is required for serotonin production and effectiveness, so sleeping in or staying up late can have a negative effect on serotonin production. It can also be stimulated with exercise and very temporarily with the intake of sugar. Dietary tryptophan, which we'll talk about shortly, found in foods such as turkey and beans and nuts and so on, is also converted to serotonin. If you don't have enough serotonin production during the day, you won't have enough melatonin release in the evening, as serotonin is converted into melatonin, and melatonin sends your body sleepy signals. Melatonin is naturally secreted from the brain's pineal gland, which starts around 9.30 to 10.30 for the average adult and reaches its peak around 1 or 2 a.m. It's lowest around midday. So just to recap, serotonin is essentially the neurotransmitter that keeps you awake and feeling alert and happy. Melatonin has the opposite effect and it makes you feel sleepy and relaxed and ready to hop into bed. You may or may not realize that your diet has a significant impact on how you sleep. A diet that's high in processed foods and lacking in quality nutrients can set you up for all kinds of health problems, including insomnia. But some of the dietary habits that can impact on sleep are not so obvious. So let's have a look at diet, and I'll give you some tips about foods that help you sleep and foods you might consider removing from your diet if you're ready to start sleeping better. Remove or reduce refined sugars to help keep your blood sugar balanced and stabilize your mood. Remove nitrites from ham, bacon and preserved meats, etc., as these can actually be excitory on your nervous system and can have a negative impact on your sleep. Remove artificial flavours and preservatives for a similar reason. Include quality protein with each meal, as protein keeps your blood sugar level balanced, and most proteins also contain tryptophan, and as we just discussed, tryptophan breaks down to serotonin, which converts to melatonin and helps you be sleepy later in the day. Include magnesium-rich foods like leafy greens and nuts and seeds, as magnesium is a relaxant. Include zinc-rich foods, as zinc is essential for neurotransmitter production and also for the conversion of serotonin to melatonin. Include vitamin B-rich foods like oats, red meat, whole grains, legumes, eggs, dark leafy vegetables, nuts and seeds, as B vitamins help to cope with stress, but they're also necessary in neurotransmitter production. 
Include tryptophan rich foods. Remember, tryptophan is converted to serotonin. Foods like salmon, chicken, turkey, eggs, spinach, nuts and seeds, milk if you're drinking dairy, soy, and bananas are really beneficial. Now, kiwi fruit actually contains serotonin already. So, my advice often with my clients is to have two kiwi fruits about half an hour to an hour before bed, and that's often all it takes to start to get a better night's sleep. Cherries contain melatonin, so you can also try whole cherries or cherry juice half an hour to an hour before bed. Just remember to buy the good stuff, not the sugar-laden cherry juice, because that can keep you awake. You can find pure cherry juice at your health food store. Stop eating two hours before bed so that your digestive system has had time to process food and it's ready to rest. If you're waking at liver hour, which is that two o'clock sort of wake-up time, Consider your alcohol intake. If you're drinking before bed, it may be that your body's finding difficulty in processing the alcohol. So you may want to consider either drinking earlier in the night or reducing your alcohol intake or eliminating it altogether to see if that makes a difference. Have a snack of complex carbohydrates before bed, for example, banana or porridge, as your glycogen stores in your liver may be dropping too low and that may also be causing you to wake up in the middle of the night. There is a class of chemicals known as excitotoxins, which are mostly amino acids that stimulate taste buds. They can also overstimulate your neurons or your nerve cells. For example, MSG, aspartame, which is NutraSweet or artificial sweetener, casein, which is naturally occurring at high levels in cheese and also added to soy cheese and other products, domoic acid, which occurs naturally in shellfish and becomes a problem with overconsumption, and cysteine or L-cysteine, which is used in the creation of meaty and savoury flavours, but can also be found as a supplement. If your diet contains any level of these, you may find that these are actually contributing to your insomnia, especially if you're consuming takeaway food late in the evening. You may find that your nerve cells are stimulated and it impacts negatively on your sleep. While we're on the topic of MSG, just a little tip that MSG can also appear under other names on the packaging. So if you're looking out for it, also look for terms like natural flavor or flavoring, hydrolyzed vegetable protein, autolyzed protein, plant protein, TVP or textured protein, yeast extract, sometimes even in nutritional yeast and carrageenan, and anything that contains the word glutamate. Now let's talk about the impact of coffee on sleep. Caffeine has a couple of mechanisms that can really impact on sleep. One is that your liver has to process caffeine, and if you're drinking coffee late into the night, it may put extra pressure on your liver, and then you may find yourself waking up at that 2 a.m. liver hour. In addition, caffeine promotes wakefulness by blocking the receptors to adenosine, which is a neurotransmitter that promotes sleep and relaxation. And lastly, caffeine also increases cortisol, which is needed for energy and awareness and metabolism and so on. But cortisol stimulates an enzyme that destroys tryptophan, and that can lead to a decrease in serotonin production. So if you are going to have coffee, the best time of day to do that is around 11 a.m. And if you're having trouble sleeping, avoiding coffee after 2 p.m. is the best idea. Let's talk about supplements. I won't talk too much about supplements because it is really important that if you're having trouble sleeping, especially if this is a chronic problem, that you do see your healthcare practitioner. My suggestion would be an integrated GP or a naturopath or a nutritionist. 
First of all, melatonin. Now, in Australia, we can't actually get melatonin over the counter like they can in the States and in other places. You need to have melatonin prescribed by a doctor. If you are a chronic insomniac and having a lot of trouble falling asleep, that may be the way to go. I won't recommend melatonin here because that has to be on a case-by-case basis. But melatonin can really be a godsend for some people. The important thing about melatonin is it's not really suitable for long-term use as it can disrupt your body's natural release of melatonin and is only helpful for getting you to sleep, not for keeping you asleep. You can find in Australia topical melatonin with magnesium as a lotion. I've seen one and I've also had one in my home as well. So just check your health food store and pharmacy for that one. Uh, It's a fairly low dose of melatonin with magnesium. So you're getting two elements that can really help you with sleep and relaxation. So then let's talk about magnesium. Well, magnesium is one that most of you probably know about for sleep and relaxation, but something really critical here is that it needs to be in the right form. A lot of the magnesium supplements that you find in the health food store or the pharmacy just aren't going to cut it. Many of them are made with magnesium oxide, which is virtually useless for sleep and for headaches and some other symptoms that you may be using magnesium for. So the right form is really, really important. My favorite form of magnesium is magnesium bisglycinate. It's the most bioavailable. That means it's readily taken up by your body, but it also crosses the blood-brain barrier. So it has a significant effect on brain health and on sleep, on neurotransmitters. And as a side note, it's excellent for migraines. Lastly, I'm going to suggest zinc. Zinc is involved in over 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, and it also supports healthy neurotransmitter function. And as I mentioned before, it helps the conversion of serotonin to melatonin in your body. Now, research has found that even though zinc doesn't seem to trigger sleep, adequate levels of zinc in the blood actually shorten the time it takes to fall asleep and increase the overall amount of sleep and assure quality and efficiency. So that's a really good one to add to your regimen as well. Just a quick note on supplements. Not all supplements are created equal, so don't choose the cheapest supplements you can find. Most often the form is not adequate to be readily absorbed by your body. My suggestion is to find the best brand, speak to your integrated GP or to your naturopath or your nutritionist. In terms of supplements, if you are taking supplements and you have something that has B vitamins in it, it's really important not to take these at nighttime as B vitamins can be very stimulating on your neurotransmitters. So that may be keeping you up. So if you have a supplement that has Bs, you can try switching to taking them in the morning and see if that makes a difference. Now, in terms of herbs and herbal tinctures, I'm a nutritionist, so I can't actually recommend any particular ones um, as I'm not qualified in that area. But see a naturopath and you may also be able to find some good ones in a health food store. There are some amazing herbs and herbal tinctures that can benefit you for sleep. So that's a really good one to speak to a professional about. Tea can also be really effective both for the natural chemical components that can help you sleep and help you relax, but also the ritual of making a warm cup of tea and sitting and drinking it can be very relaxing and get you into the right state of mind for sleep. My recommendations would be chamomile, passion flower, valerian, lavender, oats and lemon balm as a tea and just steep those teas as long as you can. So something like 10 minutes so that you get as much benefit as you can. Choose organic where you can and get the best quality brand that you can find. Let's talk about some lifestyle tips. 
To me, Wi-Fi is one of the biggest issues these days when it comes to sleep. There's a lot of research that talks about how Wi-Fi can affect your body, but in terms of sleep, Wi-Fi can actually deplete your body of melatonin and the pineal gland, which releases melatonin from your brain, is likely to sense EMFs or electromagnetic frequencies as light, but as a consequence, it may decrease the melatonin production. Ideally, you should be turning Wi-Fi off way before bed. You would only have Wi-Fi on if you must. So if you have an Ethernet connection, that's certainly better even during the day. And it's really vital that you keep it away from your body. So if you're sleeping in a room where there is Wi-Fi, see if you can A, turn it off, or B, even better, move it across the house and turn it off. Minimizing screen time is important. We all hear this all the time, but it is really essential to turn off your screen at least two hours before bed, at a minimum to switch to night mode and turn off the blue screens, as blue light inhibits melatonin production and conversely, darkness stimulates it. The information can also stimulate your brain, so turning off any work or emails or any research is really essential to getting your brain into the right state as well. Electromagnetic frequencies or EMFs and other electronic signals can stimulate your brain, so that's another reason to turn off screens, and that means your computer, your phone, your TV, any other screens as well. And don't be afraid to turn off your phone after dinner and not on again until after you wake up. I know a lot of people sleep with their phones on and use them as an alarm, but there's other alternatives for an alarm clock. You don't need to have your phone on. And that constant pinging or waiting for messages or the desire to keep checking for messages or updates is really disruptive to sleep. So If you are sleeping with your phone on, certainly turn it off. And ideally, you want to turn your phone off after dinner and then not turn it on again until the morning. Remove the TV from your bedroom, if at all possible. That's age-old advice, but very sage advice. Something else you can do as a lifestyle habit is yoga and meditation. Yoga and meditation is really beneficial for getting your parasympathetic nervous system working and get us out of fight or flight mode and get us into a really good state of calm. You can try yoga first thing in the morning or you can try yoga before bed, but even a five or 10 minute breathing exercise or five or 10 minute meditation will be really, really beneficial if you're having trouble switching off at night or just having trouble generally sleeping. Other ways to activate your parasympathetic or your rest and digest nervous system include massage, spending time in nature, playing with your children or pets, or prayer. Watching the sunset daily is actually a really amazing tool. So even if you're able to only do a 10-minute walk as the sun is setting, it's a very powerful way to enhance melatonin secretion. If you're able to start waking up earlier, you can also watch the first 10 minutes of the sunrise. Amazingly, your brain is able to differentiate between the setting sun and the rising sun, and a chain of biochemical reactions occurs to support your natural daily cycles. So watching the sun rise and sunset can be a beautiful and very effective way to start getting better sleep straight away. And exercise stimulates serotonin and decreases cortisol and adrenaline, which keep you up and awake. So exercise is a really good tool for insomnia. 
if you do a lot of high intensity exercise, but you're still having trouble sleeping, you could move that to earlier in the day, or you could actually switch to a lower intensity exercise as sometimes cortisol can actually be activated with high intensity exercise, especially if you have other things going on in your life that are increasing stress. So you may just switch to, for example, a walk or a swim or a bike ride instead of high intensity exercise. Here's some ideas for other things you can try. An Epsom salt bath works beautifully for a lot of people. So a half a cup to a cup of Epsom salts, which contains magnesium, and a soak of at least 20 minutes, you may find that it works better for you if you have just a warm bath, almost like a lukewarm bath rather than a hot bath, or even a cool bath if you can, although some people actually find that the hot bath is equally relaxing. Essential oils can be incredibly beneficial. I would choose lavender, marjoram, chamomile, mandarin, frankincense, sandalwood, and vetiver. Just keep in mind that less is more when it comes to essential oils, especially with lavender, or you may actually end up overstimulating your body. You can use essential oils in an oil diffuser. You can use a couple of drops in the bath. You can put a drop or two on your pillow. There's lots of ways to use essential oils. You may like to try white noise, like a fan. Both of my kids still love to have a fan on at night, winter or summer, it doesn't matter, but it really helps them sleep. Another tip is to do with your bedding. Fresh sheets can be so relaxing and so comforting. So something as simple as changing your sheets can make a really big difference. And making sure that you are changing your sheets every week or two can also make a really big difference. You may want to try a new pillow, especially if your pillow is two years old or more. You may find that switching to a new pillow can make a really big difference, not only from a comfort level, but also you're not getting a buildup of bacteria and so on, which can be wreaking havoc on your health. So certainly try a new pillow and preferably try something made from natural fibers like wool or hemp or cotton rather than something like polyester. You may also want to change to bedding that's made from natural breathable fibers as opposed to polyester blends. This can help your body to not overheat. You may want to try cooling the room down, so perhaps turning off electric blankets, sleeping with less clothing and less bedding or having the fan on. Research shows that people sleep better generally in a cooler rather than a warmer room. A new mattress may be the go. So if you have a mattress that's uncomfortable or a mattress that's made out of synthetic fibers, it may be time to look at investing in a new mattress, something that is made from natural fibers, something that suits your body. Sometimes getting a quality sleep is just as simple as changing a new mattress or a pillow. And lastly, get rid of memory foam. Memory foam has been linked to breathing difficulties, asthma, allergies, nausea, morning headache, muscle pain, brain fog, and a reduced ability to concentrate. And even though you may find memory foam to be quite comfortable, it may be doing you some harm. So if you're using memory foam, consider switching to something else. It is really essential that you address the causes of poor sleep. So none of these things that I've discussed today will be a remedy if you don't address the underlying causes. This may mean that you've got to make some tough decisions on things that are causing you problems and address 
these issues, things like stress or anxiety, what are the things that you can change and what are the things that you can't? Do you need to see a counsellor or a psychologist? Do you need to start journaling or doing meditation or yoga or walking or walking with a friend, um, maintaining close friendships, perhaps limiting or stopping social media altogether? especially in these times, limiting the news reports that you're looking at, limiting the bad news that you're reading. All of these things can increase stress and anxiety. And if there is significant stress or anxiety in your life, it's not surprising that you're having trouble sleeping. Many of the things we've discussed can certainly help, but that's something that you certainly need to tackle head on to see where you can make some changes. Diet is really essential as we discussed. So if your diet is full of processed foods or foods with excitatory chemicals or it's not a whole foods diet, it's really essential that you address your diet as you can't really make big changes to poor sleep with a poor diet. Your environment is really important as well. So if you're filling your home with synthetic scent through candles or perfumes or air fresheners and fabric softeners, etc., even too much light in the room, that's certainly going to be causing a problem and needs to be addressed. Perhaps your habits or lifestyle are interfering, maybe shift work, maybe the time of day that you're exercising. Some of them you can't change, but it's just important to address them and see if any changes can be made. And if any poor habits have crept in, address them and see where you can make some changes. Medication can also be something that needs to be addressed. So it's really important if you're on any medication to know the side effect, including those that reduce essential nutrients like magnesium or zinc. You may also find that some medications have insomnia or wakefulness or anxiety, for example, as potential side effects. So it's important to know if your medication is contributing to your poor quality sleep. There is a really interesting website, which is called mytavin.com. That's M-Y-T-A-V-I-N.com. It's not a substitute for proper medical advice, but it is an excellent reference point where you can type in your medication and look at the potential nutrient depletion from your medication. For example, if I get into mytavin now, mytavin.com. And if I type in, let's type in one of the most common medications that we see a lot of people on, which is a proton pump inhibitor, something that people use for heartburn called Nexium. So it tells me that if you're taking Nexium, you may have a deficiency in the following nutrients, B12, calcium, magnesium, zinc, folic acid, probiotics, and iron. And it also gives you a list of symptoms of deficiency. Some of these include fatigue, poor appetite, osteoporosis, muscle pain, um, weakened immunity. There's lots and lots of potential symptoms there. And there's also references, by the way. So if you type into mytavern.com, your medication, you will see some of the nutrients that might be missing in your body and you may be able to address some of those in conjunction with your nutritionist or naturopath. Now let's just talk for a minute about the problem with sleeping medication. If you are taking sleep medication, especially over a long term, it's really important to understand how it works and how it may interfere with your body's natural processes. Taking sleep medication can interfere with the ability of your brain and your body to do its own work, especially over the long term. 
We can also find that we become addicted or reliant on the medication instead of changing our habits. So rather than addressing the actual causes of insomnia or poor quality sleep, we rely on the medication just to do the job for us. It's important to know the side effects of these sleeping drugs as well. They may include things like headache, digestive issues, dry mouth, confusion, hyperactivity, low blood sugar, erectile dysfunction, and more. And long term, you may find that you're faced with physical or psychological addiction to the drug, insomnia, depression, daytime drowsiness, sleepwalking, nausea, headaches, and impaired motor skills, and quite a few others. So just speak to your doctor and also do some of your own research to see if some of your sleep issues are related to that. And also where you can, it's always better to try to treat these things naturally where possible. So look at what other things you can do aside from using sleep medication to aid your sleep. So in summary, a perfect day for better sleep would be wake at 6am, have a cup of herbal tea outside and go for a walk for 10 minutes and watch the sunrise. Don't turn on your phone for at least an hour. Have a coffee around 11am if you want one to keep in the natural rhythms of your cortisol release. Go outside in the midday sun t- for 10 to 15 minutes. Eat a healthy balanced diet including leafy greens, nuts and seeds, good quality protein with each meal and a minimum of processed foods or refined carbohydrates. Limit your alcohol intake. Finish dinner by 7pm. Take a beautiful bath with Epsom salts. Turn screens to warm light or ideally off by 8 p.m. and also Wi-Fi and phone off by 8 p.m. Dim the lights in the house and in bed by 9.30. I hope you found this helpful today. I hope you've picked up at least a couple of tips to help you get a better sleep starting tonight. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, rate us in Apple Podcasts and share us with your friends. Unconscious is presented by One Seed. To find out more about One Seed or to find health and wellness articles in our journal, visit oneseedperfumes.com.